Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. Welcome to Overnight America with Ryan Recker on KMOX. Sponsored by Michael's Flooring, the flooring experts, michaelsflooringoutlet.com. Here's a good idea. Have a point. It makes it so much more interesting for the listener. Welcome back to Overnight America. Brad Young sitting in for Ryan Recker this evening. You know, a lot of times I I like to say that Ryan's out on vacation, but he's not on vacation right now. He's actually working. Uh, He's working. He was in this morning on our sister station, 97.1 FM Talk, from 5 a.m. until uh, 9 a.m. What a shift. And he's going to do that again tomorrow morning. So if you want to catch Recker in the morning, or Ryan in the morning, uh, you can catch him tomorrow morning, 97.1 FM Talk, filling in on the Mark Cox Show. In the meantime, I'm sitting in the uh, the big O&A chair tonight, and uh, we've gonna, we're going to dive into all kinds of topics as the show unfolds over the next few hours. Uh, particularly, almost 100 million Americans have received at least their first vaccination shot. I got mine uh, two weeks ago. Yesterday, I received mine, and uh, I'm going to get my second shot next Wednesday. Of course, I had to drive down to Sykeston to get it, but uh, but I did. But what happens? What happens if you become ill from your vaccination? You know, we've heard some anecdotal reports of people not feeling well, people having reactions. Uh, there's the AstraZeneca vaccine, which is not even available in the United States yet, but it's available uh, primarily in Europe. Uh, and in Asia, and yet there have been some blood clotting issues reported with that. What happens if the AstraZeneca vaccine is sold in the United States and you have a bad reaction? Can you sue them? It sounds like, you know, Pfizer, they've got deep pockets. Johnson & Johnson, you know, they got a license to print money these days. Can you sue them? We're going to break down the legalities of whether you can actually file suit against uh, the vaccine manufacturers. Uh, Another thing we're going to dive into tonight is that uh, last night, actually, we talked about the $500 million COVID bonus uh, that the city of St. Louis is going to receive from the COVID stimulus bill that was literally just signed into law last week. Uh, Largest county, because St. Louis City is considered a county, it's the largest recipient of that federal money in all of Missouri, $500 million, half a billion dollars. So I discussed at length, though, 
both St. Louis City mayoral candidates, uh, Tashara Jones and Kara Spencer, they've got a big, long laundry list, each of them do, of how they're going to spend the money. But neither of them focused on using a portion of that money to reduce crime. So today, the Post-Dispatch weighed in on this issue, and I, it's, it's amazing to me. For once in my life, the Post-Dispatch and I are in agreement And so I'm going to let you know what the Post said about how the city should be spending that money once it gets allocated to the new mayor after the upcoming election. Speaking about the upcoming election, you might want to, uh, again, mark your calendar this Tuesday evening. It's March 23. You're going to want to tune in to X at 6 p.m. right after the Dave Glover show because X and Fox 2 are hosting a mayoral debate uh, between Tashara Jones and Kara Spencer. So you're going to want to catch that right here Tuesday evening, starting, I believe, at 530, but the actual debate starts at 6 o'clock p.m. Uh, a little bit later in the show, we're going to uh, talk about a website that allows you to upload pictures of anyone, including your dead relatives. Okay, You can upload pictures of your dead relatives, if you like, And this computer algorithm then animates the photographs so it makes a short video, like a GIF or a GIF, however you pronounce it. Uh, It makes it, Mike, what's what's the uh, correct pronunciation of that, Mike? GIF. It's a GIF. All right. Well, I I thought it was GIF, but then I've had somebody argue with me and said it was a GIF. And I said, no, that's peanut butter. It's got to be a GIF. Uh, But it makes it like a GIF photo of your dead relatives, and we're going to talk about whether that's, uh, you know, whether that's creepy or whether that's intriguing. We're going to get into that. Also, uh, with regard to schools, we're going to have some free speech issues we're going to wade into uh, a little bit later in the show this evening because uh, the Supreme Court literally just last week decided a major free speech case, and the Supreme Court is going to decide this term a free speech case that I think is going to be the most monumental free speech case that we've had in a generation. It's going to lay down guidelines regarding social media, social media posting for for students, and whether or not students have free speech rights when they leave school. And that's going to be a monumental case. So I'm going to break down those issues uh, for you uh, later on in the evening. However, though, we're going to take a break here in just a few moments. But when we come back from this break, we're going to chat with Dave Simons. You know Dave Simons. He's the Senior Vice President of Wealth Management at UBS. He's the host of the Dollars and Cents Show right here on X. And we're going to talk to Dave about the direction of the economy, how you might be affected by, you know, these sudden changes that we're seeing uh, in the financial markets and how you can plan uh, to take advantage of those changes for yourself and for your family. Brad Young sitting in for Ryan Recker on Overnight America. Don't go away. St. Louis's weather station, KMOX. Welcome back to Overnight America. Brad Young sitting in for Ryan Recker. And uh, if you watch the stock market at all or if you read financial news, you know that right now things are really in flux because 
Uh, there's, a, there's a lot of disagreement in the markets necessarily about uh, whether the economy is reopening and what direction it's going, how quickly will we start to recover, what kind of uh, systemic changes are we going through because of COVID. So to break it all down, I went to the expert. Dave Simons, he's the Senior Vice President of Wealth Management at UBS. He's the host of the Dollars and Cents program right here on CamelX. Uh, Dave, thanks for uh, making time for us this evening. Brad, you bet. Anytime. I appreciate you asking me. Uh, you know, even a casual reading of the Wall Street Journal reveals that uh, unemployment continues to fall, sales continue to increase, and uh, and really projections for the gross domestic product this year are are stellar. Uh, uh, increase of between four and five percent. What are we seeing right now in the overall picture of the market? Yeah, and you know what, Brad? Actually, some of those projections, some analysts and economists are taking them up even higher. I've seen some bullish numbers saying, you know what, we could see GDP growth of 8% or higher from a year ago. Now, obviously, the bar was really low. Very low. You know, 10 to 12 months ago, but very robust recovery. You know, just in my little corner of the world, just some anecdotal evidence, um, I've been doing a little bit of traveling uh, in fact, I've still been on airplanes quite a bit uh, in the last six to 10 months. And when this was first happening, and I think a lot of people who still travel can relate to this, but last spring and through the summer, you you could get even a first class seat for coach or less. And uh, so I thought, why not? Why not? You know, I'll upgrade. I'm, I'm kind of a I'm a cheap guy. I, I never you know, spend the extra few bucks to do that. Well, I was. Well, guess what? Recently, I just flew again, and these prices have gone up significantly. I just drove, um, as you know, through the southeast today and got back into St. Louis going through you know, Georgia and some of the hot travel spots that are difficult to navigate with your car sometimes, like Atlanta, Chattanooga, now Nashville. Brad, over the past year, I have cruised through those cities. Mm-hmm. Not today. Not today. It, it was not today. All three of those cities were back to having rush hour like traffic. So we are slowly getting there, and it's a very, very good sign. Got a ways to go, but we are making progress. Yeah, I was talking to someone just today, Dave, who's complaining that traffic jams have even returned to St. Louis, and I pointed out. I said, "Well." That's not a bad thing. You know, that means that we're, we're coming out and we're starting to get back into doing the things that we were doing before the pandemic. So there is an upside to that. But uh, uh, looking at the markets, I, I look at the markets every day and I enjoy doing that. And we still have a large number of what's called discouraged workers. You know the term for workers who have given up looking for work and are no longer counted in the unemployment rate. But uh, we also have segments of the economy like leisure and travel and tourism and restaurants that are still reeling. But overall, things are on the upswing right now, aren't they? They are. And you just hit some of the industries that will take a little bit longer. I I don't think you're going to see, in fact, uh, cruise ships being at full capacity for a while. And even if the Cardinals themselves announced, hey, we're going to allow, you know, 40,000 people back in the first week, I think a lot of people would still go down, but I don't. I think you'll still see some reluctance to totally get back to the way the life was 14 months ago. But we are making progress. But you just mentioned the industries that that will take a little bit longer. So I think the hope is if we can get to 80 percent, 90 percent, 
back to where we were by late summer. That's a really, really good uh, potential piece of progress. And maybe it's going to take into 2022 before we really feel like we're back at it. And, and of course, we're talking to uh, Dave Simon, Senior Vice President of Wealth Management at UBS and host of the Dollars and Cents program right here on CAMOX. And as you always explain very well on your own show, Dave, that the markets are always looking forward at conditions six months ahead. So when we see, although today obviously there was a little bit of a pullback, but when we see a general market trend right now in the in the extremely positive category, those markets and the forecasters are looking forward at the time where you just described, where we're at that 80, 90 percent level. Is that what they're looking at? Yeah, this, this is a great, great topic because a lot of people were really, frankly, confused when the market was doing so well last year when things were not going well. In each of our personal lives, economic numbers, of course, were coming in very weak, and yet the market was really rebounding nicely. And you nailed it. When we talked late last year, I had made mention, well, the market is already anticipating that things are going to improve in 2021. And sure enough, the data now is is confirming that. However, I've now been telling people, okay, the data is going to continue to get better. But that doesn't mean the stock market itself is mm-hmm. going to fly right along. Because it's looking for the market probably shot a little ahead of itself, frankly, Uh, I think you could make the argument that it has pulled maybe the next year's earnings, the next couple of years' earnings into now. And so we're just going to have to wait, I think, for some of these companies to finally um, really take in those earnings to reflect their stock prices. I'm not necessarily predicting some kind of big correction or anything like that. I just think the majority of the stock market moves to the upside from the last what we might expect with this recovery are probably behind us. I think at best, if we can just take some more modest growth in the stock market, I would take that. Yeah. uh, Somebody uh, also told me recently, they said they they looked at this, Dave, and they said, it looks like it's the light at the end of the tunnel. And my response was, uh, I'm always just hopeful that's not an oncoming train. Well, Uh, well, (laughs) that's a great point. Um, you know, the, the we had a bifurcated market last year where these so-called stay-at-home growth stocks like Peloton and Zoom and similar companies did very, very well. Well, those stocks have really been hit hard now. No surprise, their business is still good. Well, now it's the forgotten stocks of last year, those, those boring old blue-chip dividend-paying mm. value stocks of the Dow that no one seemed to want to buy last year. Well, guess what? These are the stellar stocks this year, like oil and energy, which had been left for dead last year, they're leading the way, along with some other deep value stocks. So, you know, pick your spots in the market. There is money to be made. Uh, But I think overall, if you look at an index like the S&P 500, it can nudge along. I just think the pace of growth is probably going to slow here, at least here in the near term. Well, here's a word we haven't seriously discussed in 30 years, Dave, inflation. So how how does a recipe of an improving economy, pent-up demand, supply chain issues, and stimulus checks, how does that recipe produce an inflation souffle? How does that work? Well, the consumer, and we've kind of already touched on this, the consumer is ready to party. I mean, after a year in hibernation, and we're already seeing the evidence of this in certain areas of the economy, they are ready to spend. 
But I'll just touch on the last thing you said there, these stimulus checks. Now, we could venture off into something that some people will see as a political hot potato, and I, I think we, we can avoid that. But I, there's no question that a lot of this money that is being sent to families who really don't need it and to individuals who don't need it will put that into the stock market. They will start to buy more of the you know, luxury needs, if you will. Mm-hmm. And that's going to prove to be inflationary. Now, there's still enough slack in the, in, in the economy, I think, to absorb some of that. I am not one of these uh, inflation warriors here. I think a lot of folks out there, well-intentioned economists and analysts, who believe that we could have a late 70s, early 80s style inflationary accident. I am not in that camp. I do think inflation is going to continue to tick up a little bit. I do not see it being so problematic here in the near term. I'm more worried about three, four, five years from now. I I really am. I think that's where we could have some issues. But I think here in the near term, there's still enough slack to take some of that in. We're talking to Dave Simon, Senior Vice President of Wealth Management at UBS and host of the Dollars and Cents program right here on CamoX. Uh, I just got really just one or two questions here for you before we we come up on a break, Dave. And uh, because we've shifted from a contracting economy to kind of an expanding economy right now, certainly compared to last year, is now a good time for folks to reassess their investment strategies and retirement plans to, you know, to kind of respond to the changes in the economy? Well, yeah, good question. It really depends. What did that individual investor do, if anything, when things were imploding a year ago? And if that person said, well, I I better lighten up on stocks or I better uh, maybe invest more in bonds or cash, or I think there's going to be an issue over here and I better make changes and you've not gone back, then that person probably needs to normalize their investment portfolio a little bit. Uh, One thing that I'm telling people is I wouldn't worry so much about stocks, at least mid to long term. I have no prediction near term. My issue is more on traditional bonds. And I think people need to be a little bit more creative with their fixed income because of something we just touched, touched on. I think if inflation really does become more of an issue down the road, And that means interest rates will likely also go up. Traditional kinds of bonds, especially long-term bonds, could come under pressure. And we haven't seen anything like that in nearly 40 years. So we have a whole generation of people who have no idea that bonds can actually lose money over a period of time. That's the main thing we're going to have to watch the next few years. My friend, we live in exciting times. Dave Simons, he's the uh, Senior Vice President of Wealth Management at UBS. Hey, thanks so much for uh, taking time out of your busy schedule to uh, chat with us this evening. Brad, my friend, anytime. You know that. It's a pleasure. Talk to you soon. we're going to take a break here. When we come back, we're going to open up the phone lines. We've got lots of things on tap to talk about tonight. What's on your mind? 314-436-7900. That's text or call. Love to hear from you, Brad Young. Filling in for Ryan Recker on Overnight America. Don't go away. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. 
Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. Cardinal Spring Training is underway in Jupiter, Florida. And KMOX's Mike Claiborne is covering it all. Hear his daily reports, mornings and afternoons, and on Cardinals Open Live. Sponsored in part by Norm's Bargain Bar and Wilkie Windows. On your voice in the St. Louis Cardinals, KMOX. Welcome back to Overnight America. Uh, before I was talking to Dave Simons, and doesn't he do a fantastic job of breaking down complicated economic and financial issues in a way that all of us can understand. He's fabulous, and that's why I try to have him on anytime there's something uh, that's interesting going on in the financial markets or economics to break those things down for us. So I appreciate Dave Simons anytime he can work us into his busy schedule. One of the things I mentioned before that interview uh, was about the the COVID vaccine. I got my vaccine a couple of weeks ago, the first one, getting my second one next week. And uh, again, got to drive to Sykeston to get that because you just can't get it around here in St. Louis City or County. It's uh, extremely difficult. And yet uh, both the governors of uh, Missouri and Illinois, uh, both Parson and Pritzker announced today that the, the vaccinations would be opened up to everyone by mid-April. So by the middle of April, anyone over the age of 16, you want a vaccination, you want a vaccine shot, you should be able to get it. Uh, now, again, you might have to drive to, uh, you know, to Sykeston to get it like I did. Hopefully not, uh, because one of the things that, for example, St. Louis County uh, uh, Executive Sam Page has said is that some of the federal COVID stimulus money that St. Louis County is going to receive is going to be used to try to get the vaccines to people who otherwise aren't going to have access to it. Folks who are shut in or homebound, people who may not have access to it anywhere else, they're going to make that available. So hopefully that will come to pass. But the issue arises, and of course I'm kind of putting my my legal hat on here, but what happens if you have a negative reaction to that vaccine? You know, no one says it's, it's 100% safe. Nothing is 100% safe. Uh, it's very safe. It's been tested. I didn't have any qualms of any kind about getting the vaccination. And yet, what happens if you do? What do you do? Can you hire an attorney? Uh, you know, can you call one of those guys that advertises on billboards and sue Moderna, sue Pfizer? I mean, there's a there's a Pfizer location uh, located uh, right here in St. Louis County. Can you sue them if you have a bad reaction? The answer to that is simply no. You can't. Uh, you can't sue them in federal law or in federal court. You can't sue them in state court. I mean, you're just out of luck. And there's a reason for that. And there's that is a very narrowly tailored federal provision. It's called the Public Readiness and Emergency Preparation or Preparedness Act. And it's a 2005 law that empowers uh, it empowers the Health and Human Services Director to provide legal protection to companies who are distributing 
critical medical supplies. So think about in this instance, and let me try to explain why that is, because I know some folks are struggling with, well, if I get the shot, I can't sue somebody if I have a reaction. Well, there is an outlet that you can do, but let me break down the reasoning why this law exists. For most drugs that are in the the research pipeline, currently it takes anywhere from five to 15 years to sufficiently develop and test and ensure that drugs are safe. One of the areas that I've been looking at are pharmaceuticals that are being developed to uh, combat dementia. My grandfather had dementia. My grandmother had dementia. And so it's something I look at and I go, well, you know, hopefully there's going to be a drug uh, that's going to take care of that in some time before I get to my 90s. Uh, because it's in my family. So I look at that. There have been several drugs that have been in development for years, and they they were pulled during the final set of trials because of health issues. And, and that's why it takes years and years and years to develop these drugs. Now, let's look at the COVID vaccines, whether it's Moderna, whether it's Pfizer, whether it's AstraZeneca. The government essentially came to these drug companies and said, go as fast as you humanly can. I think the the federal program under Trump was called Operation Warp Speed. And, of course, I like that because it's a Star Trek reference. But, But to go fast, as fast as you can. So to do that, the drug company said, well, you've got to give us legal protection because we don't have that 15 year window to study these drugs like we normally would. That doesn't mean they're not safe. I mean, if I thought they weren't safe, I wouldn't have gotten my own shot. I wouldn't have allowed my wife to get her vaccination. But because of that speed to develop these drugs, they asked to have that legal protection. And there is already, again, a law in place, the Public Readiness and Emergency Preparedness Act 2005, that allows the Secretary of the Health and Human Services to extend that legal protection to companies when they're making critical health supplies. And they did that here. So that means you can't sue the drug companies if you have a bad reaction. However, that doesn't mean that you are completely out of luck because under that Public Readiness and Emergency Preparedness Act, there is a process for filing a claim against this under federal law. I I certainly wouldn't do it. I, I don't know any attorneys that would. And in fact, I don't think you even need an attorney to file a claim if you have a bad reaction because Congress created this fund specifically to help cover things like lost wages, out-of-pocket medical expenses, maybe someone who uh, didn't have adequate insurance coverage when they had some negative reaction to a vaccine, or maybe you had catastrophically high health insurance costs. In other words, you had a deductible of $10,000. A lot of these high deductible insurance policies are in place now with, with many companies. So you can still file a claim against this fund, but it's not like your traditional case where you say, I've been injured in an accident. I'm going to call someone that has the word hurt, pain in their phone number, and I'm going to sue somebody. That is simply not an option when it comes to these drugs. Do you think that's fair? I mean, I I think that's a fair trade-off, but you might have a different perspective on that. 314-436-7900, call or text. 
because right now, once both Missouri and Illinois open this up to all individuals 16 years of age and older, there's going to be a lot more folks getting that shot. And you're going to start seeing this herd immunity that we've we've talked about. We've heard Dr. Fauci talk about it. We've heard lots of medical. Dr. Garza has talked about it. We're going to start approaching that herd immunity status as more and more individuals get the vaccination. So once that happens, you may start seeing some anecdotal evidence of problems arising because of, of the medication. If that happens, folks need to understand what they can do legally to try to recoup things like, again, lost wages, unpaid medical bills, other expenses, uh, out-of-pocket expenses related to that treatment. We're going to talk about this some more. We've got lots of other topics to go through this evening. 314-436-7900. Brad Young sitting in for Ryan Recker on Overnight America KMOX. This is Overnight America, sponsored by Michael's Flooring, the flooring experts. Michaelsflooringoutlet.com on KMOX. Welcome back to Overnight America. Phone lines are open 314-436-7900. What's on your mind? Love to talk to you. Or if you want to text, that works well. Either way, love to hear from you this evening. Butch has been holding through the break. Hey, Butch, welcome to KMOX. Yeah, uh, sorry you had to drive so far. Uh, well, well, I'm not, well, well, Butch, I'm not sorry because I got to eat at Lambert's when I drove down there. So it, it didn't okay. bother me at all. Do you, do you read the hard copy of the Post? I do. I get it at my office every day. Well, they've had several articles about the virus angels. I, I've seen those. I've seen those. But, uh, but those were... I, I just kind of felt that if folks really needed the vaccine and were unable to travel since it was in such a short supply, I would just let those folks here do that. I didn't mind driving. Uh, okay. My wife went with me. We made a little day trip out of it. Uh, it wasn't a big deal because I know that the, the, the vaccine has been in such short supply here in the metro region. I thought I'd just leave those shots for folks who were maybe needed it more than I did. Well, the the governor failed, the Department of Health failed, and our local officials have failed. I'm a disabled vet. My lady takes care of me, and uh, she's had cancer, and I've called Paige's office six, eight times. All the hospitals mm-hmm. couldn't get a response from anybody. Exactly. There was a small... Uh, uh, there was an article in the paper, and I called that gal. Uh, my lady made the front page of the Post about two weeks ago. Well, I'm getting my second shot at VA, and that still didn't do anything. She didn't get a call until about three days ago. Hmm. And uh, so I saw something on TV about this lady that was a virus hunter. At 10.30 at night, I called her school, left a message. She called the next day. Four days later, my lady had an appointment for her first shot. Wow. Wow. That is, that's amazing. There's something wrong with the system. Well, there is something wrong with the system, Butch. And, you know, my my mother-in-law is 93 years old. And my wife has been working like crazy to try to get her vaccinated. And she was just, she got her first shot, I believe it was last week, uh, a week ago Saturday. 
uh, and she's 93 and uh, homebound. So, you know, if, if that person in that kind of a category uh, doesn't have access to the VA necessarily like you did, but if they can't get a vaccine, you're right. That means that something's broken and there's a problem. Well, but it was from my lady. This virus hunter is the one that got her the shot. Right, but but you shouldn't have to rely on someone like that to do that, don't you think? It's well, it's a it's it's a sad statement about our government, you know. But you know how this eventually is going to go, Butch. Just like everything with the government. Just like with the ventilators. You know, at one point a year ago, we were desperately low on ventilators. And now we've got, you know, football stadiums full of these ventilators that we can't use. And so you know eventually right now everyone's clamoring for the vaccine. And probably six to nine months from now, people will be filling their swimming pools with it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's just the way it's going to go, isn't it? <laughs> well, it, it's just that. There are people out there that can help people that, um, you know, have have people that uh, are desperate, uh, have a problem. I called the guy to cut my grass. He's he's old, well over 60 and got a stint. I called him. I called, first off, I called all my friends. I called my high school coach to make sure he had a shot. <laughs> and uh, uh I called the guy to cut my grass, and he said, uh, well, I'm not worried about me. I'm worried about my dad. He's 87, and I can't get him a shot. Well, Butch, you're a good man for uh, corralling folks to get them their vaccinations. And, uh, hey, I appreciate you calling in this evening. Yeah, well, just tell people if they're uh, in a bad situation for the vaccine to look up and try to contact some of those virus hunters. I, uh, I will pass the word along, Butch. Thanks for calling in. Okay, thank you. Mm-hmm, good night. Uh, you know, Butch, Butch's experience is not unique. And maybe you've had a similar experience where you just you know couldn't get the vaccine for whatever reason. You fit in all the categories. It just wasn't available. Uh, I tried to count how many websites I signed up on. And I think I signed up on about eight or nine. And, and I know folks have signed up on lots more than that. And uh, it, it just wasn't happening. So, yeah, it's unfortunate that we had to go to these rural areas. I had a good friend of mine uh, got a vaccination in uh, in Collinsville this week, and he signed up just like he should. He got notified. He showed up. And then they asked him if he had any of these underlying conditions. And his response was, no, I haven't had any of those. And they said, well, we're not going to be able to give you a shot. He was already there. So he remembered that his doctor told him at his last doctor's appointment that he was, uh, according to having a 30 body mass index, he was technically obese. And so the person said, well, that means you qualify. So roll up your sleeve. We'll give you a shot. And so for the first time ever, apparently being obese is uh, is a benefit. Uh, It allows you to get your shot more quickly. And I'm sure that some of this will come up during the upcoming debate, the mayoral debate that's going to happen next Tuesday night. But what's interesting is this. Another thing that's going to come up during this debate on Tuesday is how should the city of St. Louis spend their $500 million COVID relief windfall money? How should they spend that? And what's interesting is is that the Tashara Jones plan, because you know the candidates, it's Tashara Jones versus Kara Spencer. 
her campaign spokesman told uh, the Post-Dispatch today that the, the money is going to go towards workforce development, mass transit expansion, improvement of energy efficiency, capital programs, and putting some of the money towards the city reserves. Nothing, nothing about crime is in that plan. If you look at the plan that was put out by Kara Spencer, she said that she's going to, if she's the next mayor, then she's going to have a plan that prioritizes housing, workforce development, and supporting local businesses. All are worthy investments. But here's what's interesting. Last night, as I was talking about this issue, my point was, is that this ignores the elephant in the room. And I'm not talking about the Republican elephant. I'm talking about the elephant in the room of crime, because that's the number one issue in the city of St. Louis. It affects tourism. It affects our economic growth. It affects our quality of life. It affects the entire region. And neither of the mayoral candidates mentioned that. But what's interesting is, is that the Post-Dispatch today came out and uh, came out against both of these mayoral positions, even though the, obviously the Post-Dispatch is you know, basically uh, to the left of any politician you've ever voted for. And yet even the Post-Dispatch recognized that either of these, neither of these candidates addressed the biggest issue that should be facing the city of St. Louis. They pointed out that they failed to prioritize how to spend this money because they really need to be focusing on issues that will reduce crime. In fact, both Tashara Jones and Kara Spencer have already recognized that they should be defunding the police, when in reality, we should be doing the opposite. So I applaud the Post-Dispatch for coming on board and actually recognizing what is perhaps the greatest issue facing these candidates, and we should be placing money towards that large issue. So hopefully uh, the candidates have read the Post-Dispatch editorial and we'll take that into consideration. Brad Young sitting in for Ryan Recker on Overnight America. We'll be back right after this. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did.